time to take the next step with Looney Libis. Step 24. Last week we talked about the first few realities of funding, and this week I promise we'll get to where the funding comes from. And like, In fact, let's jump right into that. To answer this question, it really matters answering the question to you, which is what stage is your company at right now? There's no industry consensus on what to call these stages, but the terms that I like, the terms that other people use that I like, they come down to this. So are you in the seed stage? Uh, seed stage would be you either haven't have no prototype yet or no customers yet, right? So somewhere before you have revenues. We call that pre-revenues sometimes, but in terms of funding, we will call that a seed stage company. The next stage up would be a startup phase. So startup phase, you have at least one customer, at least some customer that's testing out and trying out your product who, who sh says they'll buy this as soon as they like it. When you get past that stage, now you have a few customers and things are working, then you're in your growth phase. And, and really there's two halves of the growth phase. There's the early growth phase, like it seems to be working. You have a lot of early adopters using it, but you haven't really taken off yet. You're not a company with, with 20, 30, 40, 50 employees yet. That, that's early growth. And then between 50 and 500, 1,000 customers, well, you're in rapid growth, right? So if you're, if you're still growing, you know, doubling year over year or tripling year over year, going from 100 to 200 to 400 to 800 employees, that's kind of the rapid growth phase. And then you get to the final phase, uh, which used to be an IPO. Well, we'll talk about how you exit these companies in a few weeks, or you're getting acquired by a much bigger company, but you're in the exit phase. You're in the you're in the you know, final phases of being a startup, and now you're a real company, and something's going to happen, or you know, or you'll crash and burn. Still, in any of these phases, you can still crash and burn. You can run out. You can always run out of money. You can always have competitors come in and and eat your lunch. You can always be disrupted yourself by someone new. Right? There's lots of reasons why you'll still fail, just because you're in a later stage doesn't mean you have succeeded yet. It just means you are succeeding. You've made it past the very first catch-22, very first bit of the realities of funding. It's often called the pioneer gap, or when we really want to be morbid, it's often called the valley of death. And we call it that because there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of entrepreneurs around the world who have a good idea. Right? Some great ideas, lots of good ideas. They all think they have a great idea. That, that's one of the commonalities of, of entrepreneurship. There's, most entrepreneurs think they have the best idea ever, in any case. But they don't have a product yet. They don't have a customer yet. And there's a gap. There, there's a, a time frame, right? The seed round, the, the valley of death, where investors just don't want to take the chance. And they don't want to take that chance for good reason. They don't want to take that chance because most of those companies will never have a customer. Most of those companies not not only will never to be never be profitable. Most of those companies will not ever have enough enough customers to even partially pay the bills. That is a really risky time for investors to come in, and so most of the time they don't. And so when we talk about where you get money for seed funding, primarily in the United States and probably elsewhere, but I have statistics for the United States. In the United States, about 90-95% of all companies are self-funded by the founder or founders. Self-funded. And on average, it's something like $17,000 a company on average, right? And this includes everything. This includes the mom and pop grocery stores and the, the, the people who set up companies to clean houses and clean offices and everything that's a business. 
So on average, that's, you know, $17,000, $25,000 maybe if you, you take out some of the noise in there. Uh, and where do they get that money? Right? Where do those people get the money to do that? Well, they either get it from savings or they get it by mortgaging their house, right? Either, either a line of credit or a mortgage on the house, or they get it by credit cards. And seriously, one of the reasons why credit card interest rates are so high in the United States is that a very large number of entrepreneurs will float their company on multiple credit cards. They'll go out and, and get as many credit cards as they can, and they'll max them all out, and they'll pay just the minimums on each. And they'll wind up paying 18, 20, 22% interest for the funds to get their company off the ground. It's a very common way to get companies going. And some of the some of the companies you use in the online services today were funded in that very manner. And you probably don't want to hear that because you probably don't want to spend your own money on, on your startup. But oh, well, that, that's just a reality. Second place, seed funding. Second place to go is friends and family. And that friends and family, they provide money either as gifts or they take a equity stake of the company and you're trading them money for a percentage ownership of the company. Whatever the form it takes, you're going out and you're raising money from not people who are normally investing in startups, right? who you literally know. They are your, your literal friends and family. And of course, this is fraught with all the angst and all the issues that come when you borrow money from friends and family and potentially never pay them back. Or when you succeed and they think they deserve more than, than you give them because they were there at the beginning, right? They made this happen and whatnot. So, you know, there, there, there's some issues that come along with friends and family, but it comes, it, it does happen a lot. And then if we talk about social justice issues, right, it generally happens for middle class white America. Uh, unless you are, um, you know, a upper class, in which case this, you just turn to dad and he gives you a million dollar loan, right? Quote loan uh, that you never have to pay back. Uh, for a large chunk, for over half of, of the U.S., there really isn't a, a lot of money in friends and family. And when, when we go overseas and I work with entrepreneurs in, in Africa or Latin America, there's no friends and family money, almost never. Right? There, there's no money lying around to do that. And so this is really a little subset of, of all the entrepreneurs there are. All right, third piece, and pretty much the last piece for seed funding in the U.S. at least, is crowdfunding. Now, crowdfunding is a new thing, right? When I was a first-time entrepreneur back in the early 90s, there was no such thing. Crowdfunding came along in the last 10 years, and it first started with websites like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, which nominally call themselves donation crowdfunding sites. According to them, according to the rules that are written on the website, the customers, the, the people who are providing the capital are not investors and they're not customers, they're donors. But in reality, what the attorneys general have decided in multiple states in the United States is that, no, they are in fact customers. That if you've promised them something on a crowdfunding site, whether it's a t-shirt or a mug or the product itself, that you owe it to them. And if you don't deliver, they can sue you. Right, they, they, they can have their money back. So what it really is, whether it's Kickstarter, Indiegogo, or, or many other sites uh, like this, is it's really pre-sales. And this is where it gets really interesting. This is the part of crowdfunding that really excites me, is the idea that you can now test out your idea without having to build the product. So we talked last week that you know, money is time, and you need that money in order to get the product to market. And now there's a way to get the money before you have the product, which is called crowdfunding or pre-sales. 
So now I can create a prototype, either 3D printed if it's a physical product or some um, Photoshop mockups, maybe a video. I think if you're doing this on Kickstarter, you have to have a video. So you produce a video, which is, you know, a few, a few hundreds of hours of effort and a few thousands of dollars of, of money. And you put out the idea as a video, but you, the product doesn't exist yet. And if enough people like it, then they'll provide the money for you to go and make it. And you're going to do the, the work on the financial model to know how much money that is. So you're going to ask them for enough money to do that. And again, um, what, what we see on the, the successful Kickstarter campaigns is uh, those people will actually pay higher than what the retail price will be because these are the early adopters. They really want to try things now. They want, they want it now. They want to be first. And so they're willing to pay a little bit more for that. And so you can actually raise the money you need to go do that. And what's even better is if you succeed at raising enough money from enough people, now you have the proof that investors need in order to know that you have something that, that, sh that should work. Maybe not will work because it's not built yet, but should work. And so if you have a successful Kickstarter campaign, if you have 5,000 people signing up or even 1,000 people signing up to your Kickstarter campaign to buy your product... You can go to an angel investor or an angel group or even a venture, a small venture capital fund. We'll get to them soon. And you can turn to them and say, look, I have a product and it's going to sell really well. Here is whatever. Here's $50,000, $100,000, $200,000 worth of pre-sales from 1,000 people. And I need another whatever. I need another $250,000, $500,000 million to make this big. And they might say yes to that. All right, the other part of crowdfunding, which is even newer than Kickstarter and Indiegogo, is equity crowdfunding. This is the idea of selling part of your company to investors online. And really, the sites that are succeeding at doing that have the look and the feel of an angel group. So I'm going to skip that and, and punt that until we get to angel groups. And I did say this topic was going to take many weeks because I'm just going to cover one more one more source of funding for seed rounds, which is not, not terribly common, especially in the U.S., but it does happen. Far more common out in the developing world, and that's grants. And so there are organizations, whether they be governments or nonprofits or business plan competitions or just corporations that are giving away some money to, to solve a problem, but often there's money out there that is looking to solve a problem through a grant. And a grant is simply money. It's not from customers. It's not customer revenue. And it's not investment capital because generally the grants don't have to be paid back. It's something else. And, and what it is is money that is being given to you in order for you to go build your solution and try it out in the market. And really the only strings that are attached to it is usually the grantor wants a report back or they want you to use the money in a very specific way. But if that's not the way you need it, you probably won't win the grant. So we don't have to worry about that case. And so that's it. So in the seed stage, when you're first getting going, you kind of have four choices. You can self-fund it. You can turn to your friends and family. You can do a crowdfunding campaign, or you can go seek grants, or you can do all of all or any of those four. And next week, we'll talk about how to actually get money from investors. <laughs> <laughs>